I'm going to go totally off script in case I haven't already. Acts chapter 2. Again, I ask, can you imagine what it would be like to not have Christ in your life? Can you imagine going through teenage years that are now going on in the culture around us without Jesus? Think about that as adults. Think about what your kids and your grandkids are going through. And I see most of you out there just shaking your head going, can't imagine it, can't imagine it. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 17, it says, In the last days God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Now I know. I'm an old guy. It's dreams I get, not so much visions. Even on my servants, both uh, my men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens and signs in the earth and blood and fire and billows of smoke, and sun will be will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I want you to, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, as I was preparing for, for Easter, thinking about Resurrection Sunday, I started reading the book of John and I came across a very difficult question. In John chapter 6, John chapter 6, getting on near verse 60. Jesus says this, verse 60. John chapter 6 and verse 60, they may be a whole, look at that. These guys are good. They are good back there. They pull up videos out of thin air. They're on page 9 of my notes. These guys are good back there. They're good. Thank you so much. John chapter 6, on hearing it, Many of the disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man? He's talking about just before he is, uh, he, he's preparing them for his death and his resurrection. He just told them that they need to, they need to live his life. They need to eat his body. They need to, to eat. They need to walk the same path that he's walking. He's talking about ascending to the Father. Let, let, let's read just a little bit more here. Is, does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend where he was before, rise back up to heaven? The Spirit gives life, but the flesh counts for nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are word and they are life, and yet there are some who do not believe. Just a little ways after this, Jesus turns to his disciples. I can almost imagine. He's talking about some of the difficult things that they are going to have to face. And in their culture, Jesus was letting them know that he was God. And for them, for the Jews of that day, that was a blasphemous statement. They couldn't hardly wrap their brain around that. How could you call yourself God? How could you ever do that? And then Jesus looks at his disciples And he says to his disciples who had been following him for three years, in verse 67, he says, do you want to leave too? Do you want to leave? Do you? Do you want to leave too? Do you want to leave too? 
You might say to yourself, well, it's not so difficult for us, for me to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, he was the Christ, he was the... But what about the things that do turn us a little upside down? What about the statements where Jesus said that unless you forgive, you cannot be forgiven? Did anybody in this room ever held on to just a little bit of unforgiveness? You know, you, you want to hang on to it because, because it hurts. You don't know how bad they hurt me. You don't know what they said. I want to hang on to this. What about just a little bit of sin in your life? What about, you know, I know that I'll give away the, I'll, I'll get rid of the big sin, but there's some little sins that I just kind of like to hang on to. And you're telling me that Jesus wants me to live holy just as he is holy. What if I want to just hang on to that little bit of sin, Pastor? Jesus says, quite honestly, if that's what you want to do, then you're not worthy of the death that I died for you. You're not worthy of that, and there is not going to be an opening for us if we're in that position. If we want to hang on to sin... And so Jesus is asking his disciples, if you, he's asking the followers, if you don't want to follow me because I say God, he looks at his disciples, he's like, how about you? What about you 12? What do you think? Are you going to, do you want to leave too? This is a time. No, so I, I, uh, my, my sermon here, I actually started in verse 1 of chapter 6. I'm going to strongly encourage you to read through chapters 5, and John chapter 5 and chapter 6. In John chapter 5, Jesus starts preaching to the Samaritans. These are, these are people who, who the Jews have nothing to do with. Nothing. They won't even eat with their... A Jewish man's prayer would be, God, I thank you that made me a Jewish man and not a, not a woman or a dog or a Samaritan. Okay, that's the level. They just want nothing to do with Samaritans. And, and Jesus starts preaching them. They begin accepting Christ. They begin accepting this, that he is God, that his, his forgiveness is there for them. They begin to accept that. And then we, we go on, and Jesus feeds 5,000. And what we see as we begin to look at Jesus feeding the 5,000, we're, we're going to go there. Let's, let's, let's go. We'll go to uh, John chapter 6. We're going to start in John chapter 6, starting in verse 3. Then Jesus went up to the mountainside, and he sat with his disciples. And the Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus, when Jesus looked up, he saw a great crowd coming towards him, and he said to Philip, where should we buy bread for these people to eat? And he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. What I want you to notice as we go through this passage of Scripture, as we go through John chapter 5 and 6, we're just going to look at 6 this morning. But as we go through this, what I want you to look at is the, the crowds of people and what's going on in their head. What is going on? What are we seeing? What can we identify? What we can identify is two specific lines of thought. The first thing that we'll notice is this carnal, worldly, fleshy, earthly thought process. All they're able to think about is from what they see, they feel, they taste, they touch, and they hear. That's it. The five senses. And Jesus is beginning to talk to them about a whole different mindset. He's beginning to talk to them about a kingdom of God mindset. About a mindset where the spirit of God is alive and well and moving and dwelling amongst us. 
a spirit that says, a mindset that says, it, it is better for me to forgive because it's the only way I can receive forgiveness. Jesus Christ paid the price for my sin, and because he paid that price, I have nothing that I should be able to hang on to, nothing. Because anything that I hang on to is a barrier between me and God. Anything that I hang on to. Anything. I don't care whether it's, whether it's lust. I don't care whether it's cigarettes. I don't care whether it's drugs. I don't care whether it's what kind of sin it is. Any kind of sin, unforgiveness, bitterness, hatred, any kind of sin that I hang on to is a barrier between me and God. This is a kingdom mindset. This is the kingdom of God mindset. I don't forgive Randy because Randy deserves it. Randy doesn't forgive me because I deserve it. We forgive each other because we're part of the kingdom of God, because we believe that God is greater than. We believe that his ways are higher than. We believe that there's more to this. So, so Jesus here, he sets Philip up. He says to Philip, where do you think we should go and buy? Oh, you got all, look at all these people coming. Where, where are we going to go and buy food from? And Philip's like, dude, I don't know. We should, uh, we should have a rummage sale or something so we can raise some money. We've got to do a fundraiser. Not does it say that exactly. Philip answered, uh, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one of them to have a, have a bite. He's like, I don't know, boss. I'm not sure where we're going to get this stuff. And all of a sudden, Andrew pipes up. Another disciple, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two fish. But how far will that go among so many? Philip is saying, we need a fundraiser. And, and Andrew is saying, let's take what we got. I got, got a little kid here, Jesus. And this little kid's got five loaves and two fishes. What can you do with that? Think about it. Think about it. Oh, God, there's no way I could serve in children's ministry. Kids scare the tar out of me. What about, Lord, I can't do much, but I can sit on the ground and play with them. What can you do with that? Children, youth, oh, I'm not sure. I didn't like teenagers when I was one. How about I'm a grown-up? Maybe that's my testimony. I'm a grown-up now. I'm a man. I can offer something, God. What can you do with this? I can't tell you the number of pastors I know that have come at some point in their life and they've sinned and they've thrown themselves on the floor before Almighty God and said, God, I am worthy of nothing. I deserve nothing. If you're all done with me, take me home. But if you're not, if you can use me in any way, any shape or any form, I'm here. Please use me. Look, folks, that's what it takes to minister to kids there's a heart that says whatever I can do God just use me you can make it 45 minutes or an hour you can do that most of you have raised children you've made it for decades right you can do that kingdom mindset says God what what I, I got what I've got and if you'll just use it I'll give it to you whatever it is we go on a little bit farther. The people sat down on the grass. Some suggest that there was, well, 5,000 men. So John chapter 6, starting verse 10, Jesus said, have the people sit down on the grass. There was plenty of grass for the people to sit down. About 5,000 men were there. Estimates are upwards of 20,000 people because they didn't count women and they didn't count children. As a matter of fact, in Matthew it says, excluding women and children. So there were, if every man only had one woman and only had one child, and who knows, there are 15,000, 
Jesus took the loaves and he gave thanks and he distributed to those who were seated and they had as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they had had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and they filled the baskets with the pieces of barley, five barley loaves uh, left over after all who had eaten. Verse, uh, and there was, there was 12 baskets. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces. See, see, carnal mentality says, I don't know if we can find the food. My earthly thinking says, I don't know if we can find the food. But kingdom of God mentality says, if you take what I got, not only is there enough to feed everybody, but there's enough left over for blessing. Wrap it up in children's ministry. Think about children's ministry. Think about youth ministry. I'm not sure I want to do that. I'm not sure I can afford it. I'm not sure I want to go that way. I'm not sure I can do all this. But once you go there and you plant yourself, you plug in and you go, you know what? Not only is it good for those kids, but darn it, I walked away feeling pretty good too. There's enough for me. Give that it will be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's not just in our finances, right? You're not convinced. That's not just in our finances, it's in every area of life. As you give, as you lay down your life, as you open your, the kingdom of God takes over. That's what I read about the Holy Spirit as we began there. It's like, it's, this is beyond the scope of normal human behavior. Beyond what we see with the feeding of the 5,000. People are blessed. The disciples walk away going, not only did we give, but look what we got in return. This goes on. Uh, um, John chapter 6, verse 14. After the people saw the signs that Jesus performed, he was performing signs. People were getting saved back in John chapter 5. People were getting delivered in John chapter 5. People were getting healed. Uh, uh, People were getting saved. Here Jesus is feeding 5,000. After Jesus performed these signs, they began to say, surely this is a prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew by himself into the mountains. He withdrew. They wanted to make him king. Was that God's plan? Was that a spiritual plan? No, 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 no. That was a fleshly plan. That was a, hey, he did a great job of feeding us. And he did a few miracles. We need to make him king. In case you don't know it, at this point in history, the Israelites, the the Jews were in captivity. Rome was their ruler. Rome was in charge. They were looking for a king, somebody who's going to come in and set them free. If this dude can feed 20,000 people on a hillside, he can be our king, right? Earthly thinking. Jesus said, I got to get away and have a conversation with my father. Kingdom thinking. What does the father want to have happen? When evening came, the disciples, okay, we're, we're running low on time. I'm just going to tell the story. When evening came, the disciples take off, they hop in a boat, and they go to the other side, and Jesus said, I need to hang out here and pray for a little while. So they get rowing their boat. They're about four miles out into sea. They're about four miles out rowing. And all of a sudden, a storm comes up, and they're afraid. What kind of thinking is that being afraid of storm and earthly things around us? Earthly thinking, right? And all of a sudden, they see a ghost walking across the water. And they're afraid. Ah! 
I get that. It's dark. It's about 3 o'clock in the morning. We're five miles out to sea, rowing our boat, been rowing hard, trying to get to the other side, and somebody is walking across the water. I would, I, yeah, bah, row harder, row harder. He's catching up, row harder. I do not think that this means what you think that this means. Anyhow, sorry, had to sneak it in there. So finally, Jesus gets just about up to the boat. I love the way Matthew puts it in, in uh, Matthew's gospel. In Matthew's gospel, uh, uh, Peter says, Lord, if that's you out there, tell me to come to you. And Jesus said, come. This is one word. I just love it. Come. And Peter, all the while he's got his eyes on Jesus, the Bible says that he had to step down out of the boat. Well, that's because fishing boats were up here. And they actually had high sides on them. And when they pulled the nets in, there was a low spot in the boat that they would pull the nets in. The low spot was just a foot, foot and a half out of the water. Otherwise, the sides of the boats were up here. So these guys are up there. They see somebody walking across the water. Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. And Jesus said, come. And Peter's like, all right, dude. And the guys are like, are you sure you're going to do this? Yeah, no, no, I got to do this. And he gets down there, and he's not really sure. Not real, but it feels solid. I mean, do you really think he just got out of the boat? This guy's checking, man. He got a, and he starts, he's got his eyes on Jesus, and he starts walking on water. That's not frozen. Somebody say, woohoo. He's walking across the water. He's got his eyes on Jesus. That's kingdom of God thinking. When everything is chaos around us, if we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, we can walk on water, right? We can, he's, he's walking, he's got his, and all of a sudden, I'm not sure whether a wave smacked him a little bit in the face, but he took his eyes off of Jesus and he begins to sink. Why? earthly thinking all of a sudden his brain kicks in and says i can't be doing this i'm walking on water now you might jesus says at one point when he when he scoops him up the bible says that he scoops him up out of the water and he says why did you stop believe why did you take your eyes off of me now for years i thought that was jesus scooping him up going what's the matter man why didn't you keep your eyes on me that's not the way I was. That's not what I believe. I believe he scooped him up in his arms and he was laughing with him and said, why did you, why did you take your eyes off of me? That's kingdom of God stuff. Why would we take our eyes off of Jesus? Now, I'm sure that he probably got ribbed by the other disciples like, hey, <laughs> told you. And he's like, yeah, but I still walked on water. <laughs> I may not have gone far, but I still walked on water. My point this morning, and we can go through and we can read story after story. If you read in John chapter 6, you will see over and over and over again the crowd, the people, they had their eyes fixed on their belly. They had their eyes fixed on what can Jesus do for me? Here's the point. All of us, as we enter into what we call the kingdom of God or the family of God, we have a reason that we come in. What is that reason? What's that reason? Why are you coming to church? Why are you following Jesus? 
Are you following Jesus because you want a taste of that Holy Spirit? You want a taste of God's Spirit? You want a taste of following Christ and living this? Oh, look, look I, again, I could just tell you story after story. We were in a, in a Haitian airport. We were flying home from Haiti. We, our plane, we, we, we got on the plane in Haiti. We were getting ready to leave. There was nine of us, I think, um, from the church here that were, that were on a missions trip, and we had to stand in line at the airport for five or six hours. There was really no food. You finally get through. Half of our stuff got confiscated. We're getting ready to get on the plane, and I'm sick. I'm knowing this is not, this is not good. We get on the plane. We sit on the tarmac for two hours sit on the tarmac for two hours, finally start moving down the tarmac, and the, the captain comes on and says, sorry, uh, folks, we're going to have a bit of a delay. We have a mechanic coming out from Port-au-Prince. This isn't good. Because we need a proximity sensor, and I know what those are. And so I looked over at our leader, and I said, we're not leaving Haiti tonight. And so we get back in this Haitian airport, and there's delay after delay after delay after delay. And all of a sudden, the boys who were from Haiti, who were from, actually most of them from New York, would come and pick up Haitian rum on the weekends, and then they would bring it back as long as it was all sealed. Well, they started taking their Haitian rum out. They're breaking the bottle, and there are people, we don't have any food. The food that we have is not good. I'm breaking into a restaurant to get glasses so that we can get water. It's a long story. <laughs> So out comes some guy. Now it's about, it's about midnight, one in the morning. Everybody's mad. Nobody's happy. The airport's locked up. You can call it an international airport. It was a runway just a little bit wider than this. That's all it really was. Comes out with his little microphone, his little speaker. Uh, attention, attention. I want to let you know that they're going to send a rescue flight, but that we're not getting out of here until 5 o'clock in the morning. And then it got bad. Our, our missions team leader came up to me and said, Pastor, we need to go. We need to take all the people to the other end of the airport. You need to come with us. And I said, I need to stay here. She said, no, you need to come with us. I said, I need to stay right here. I was actually in contact with a guy from Northwest Airlines, and, and I, I had information, supernatural. It was supernatural. God gave me favor. I'm able to start telling this to people. These Haitian people are standing up, and they're telling people about what's going on. And I believe, I believe myself and two other pastors actually stopped a Haitian riot in an airport because we were willing to stand there because we got... That's the kingdom of God. Everything in my mind would have said, run to the end of the airport because these guys are all drunk and this is going to get ugly. They actually chased that poor guy down who came out with the microphone. He Last I saw, he was screaming, running down a the hallway. They were trying to get him. Okay? There's, there's something about being able to walk in the kingdom of God and just saying, I'm just going to hang on. And what Jesus was asking his disciples was, he's telling them, there's a difficult time coming. What's it going to take? Do you want to leave me now? And Peter has this absolute unequivocal revelation. He has a revelation from God. That I'm, just, I'm convinced of it. Just like he had a revelation earlier, Peter has this revelation, and he says this. If I can find it. Let me tell you what he says. John chapter, it's John chapter 6. Peter looks back at Jesus and says, where would we go? You're the one who's giving us the words of life. 
Where would we go? Where can I go from here? What's going to change? You're the one who gives us life. Jesus gave truth, and people picked up an offense. They wanted something that he was not willing to give. They wanted a pat on the back. They wanted platitudes. They wanted to hang on to their sin. They want to hang on to, I'm telling you, days, we've been reading through the book of Revelation. We know times are going to get tough. We know things are going to get ugly around us. We, we had the, the, a meeting here last Sunday night. We know there's stuff coming down the road that's not going to be good for us. It's going to be difficult for us. What's it going to take? Where are we at? Where are you at? Where am I at today? Are we so convinced that Jesus is giving us words of truth and words of life that we're going to stick with him? You know how many people quit church just because it's uncomfortable? People quit church just because, just because it, you know, there's some pressure. My friends are giving me a hard time. Get new friends. Right? Well, I, I really don't like the, the you know, you, you tell me I have to forgive. You tell me I'm not supposed to sin. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because that's the truth. Right? That's what the Word of God says. The Word of God also says, where there is bitterness and strife, there is every evil and wicked thing. You want to hang on to bitterness? Check out the wickedness. Check out the the strife. Check out the envy. Check out every other wicked thing. What do you want to invite in your life? As we're preparing our hearts for the resurrection. We're, over the next week, we're going to talk about Palm Sunday. We're going to talk about the, the Jesus getting ready to lay down his life and the absolute miracles that took place. I'm telling you, God wants to prepare our hearts. He wants to prepare your heart for difficult things. What are we going to believe? And I'm not talking about as a church. I'm talking about as individuals. What are you going to believe? What are you going to stand for? I used to have a preacher friend who told me, son, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. What are we going to stand for? Are we going to take on the hard things? Are we going to take on rejection? Are you going to take on people laughing at you? Are you going to take on people saying, oh, church is just for a bunch of babies? What are we going to do? There's a whole section of, our, of the, the church realm, if you would call it, that has gone so soft on sin that you could do anything you want to and go ahead and be part because Jesus just loves you. He loves us so much that he gave his life so that we could be set free, not so that we could continue to walk in sin. Anybody that says, just come along, it's going to be okay, it doesn't make any difference. It makes a difference, right? Do you have to be perfect to go to church? No. I've caught many slimy, stinky northerns. You catch them, and they're stinky, and they're slimy, and you bring them in the boat, and you wipe off the slime, and you take out the hook, and you clean them up and eat them. You don't eat a slimy, stink. They don't stay slimy when you put them on the plate, right? Even if you just only really like walleye. You still got to get the skin off, right? You still got to get the guts out, Right? God wants to clean us up. Don't be afraid of that. Peter got the revelation. He said, all these other people, Jesus said, all you're chasing after is a full belly. All you're chasing after is just a nice, soft, good service. That's all you're chasing after. Boy, I've said this a hundred times and I still love the line. 
Well, pastor, I just can't go to church or I don't like the worship. Well, too bad. They weren't worshiping you. (laughs) (laughs) Not really about us sometimes, is it? It's not really about us sometimes, is it? Right? It's about Christ, him in us. He is the hope of glory. Are you the hope of glory? I'm not the hope of glory. Is this whole thing about me? It's not about me. I want us to get a hold of the fact that there are going to be difficult times. There are going to be troubles. There are going to be difficult situations. Kingdom of our mind, kingdom of carnal thinking says, I got to protect myself at all costs. The kingdom of God says, I got to stand for him regardless of what it takes. Every one of the disciples, save one, was martyred. Some of them executed, hanging upside down. Peter is thought that Peter was, was crucified upside down because, because Peter didn't think he was worthy of being crucified in the same manner that Jesus was. Let me ask you a question. Do we believe in God at that level? Do we believe in God at a level that says, if I am rejected from the community, if I'm rejected from my work, if I'm rejected from my family, do we believe in God at that level that we're saying, I'm going to hang on to faith regardless? Because there's a day coming and any one of us could find ourselves in that situation. Peter said, I believe by the revelation of the Holy Spirit, you're giving us life. Where else would we go? For anybody who has ever walked away from Christ, I look at it and I think to myself, God, where else can they go? There's no other place. There's no other way. You're the way, the truth, and the life. The only way we can go to the Father is through Jesus Christ. Hang on to Jesus. Hang on to Jesus. Hang on to Jesus. We need to teach our kids to what? Hang on to Jesus. We need to teach our teenagers. Hang on to Jesus. Is there a better way? No. Is there an easier way? Maybe. Is there a way that's more fun sometimes? Maybe. But is it the way, the truth, and the life? Hang on to Jesus. Amen? Wow, I didn't even get to my notes. Father, we just thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you for the life that we have in Christ. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I thank you for the revelation of who you are. I thank you, Father, for the spirit of conviction that falls on us. As soon as we begin to walk off that road, your Holy Spirit is there trying to bring us back around. Holy Spirit, come. Change our hearts. Convict us. Every time we step off the path, God, I pray that you would convict us. Convict us of sin. Father, I pray that we would grab a hold of the truth and say, we are ready to hang on. We are ready to hang on. We're going to keep our eyes on Jesus. The Bible says you are the author and the finisher of our faith. You're going to complete that work that you've begun. As long as we hang on, we keep hanging on. You are the way, the truth, and the life. God, I pray you just burn that into our hearts today. In our hearts today, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. If you're involved in children's ministry, please see Darcy. Wave your hand again, Darcy. We know what you look like. She's going to be on the other side. God bless you. Have a great day.